an introduction to the podcast. Oklahoma State's 2023 football season already in shambles, and Coach Bendy possibly on the hot seat. This is Pete's Playbook. That's not true! So get your facts straight. Are you kidding me? That's all I got to say. Makes me want to puke. It is time for the inaugural Pete's Playbook Podcast. My name's Jonathan McKee, host of the pod, and I have zero sports journalism experience, or any journalism experience for that matter. I'm here to have a good time, bring some honest opinions. Hopefully you guys like something I say. Uh, I know that my family is tired of listening to me talk about Oklahoma State Athletics 24-7, so I figured I'd come on here, let you guys listen to it, and hopefully you like something I say. I'm a project manager by day, so I look at numbers and spreadsheets and business analytics, and naturally that translates into looking at numbers and spreadsheets and sports analytics for my favorite sports teams. I've been an Oklahoma State fan my entire life. I went to Oklahoma State. My wife went to Oklahoma State. We got season tickets this year. What a year to start doing that, but we're going to break it down, have, have some fun with it, like I said, and hopefully it goes well. Let's get into it. So we're going to start this off by breaking down the non-conference slate and what a start to the season this has been. You got three games under the belt so far at home against Central Arkansas with a win 27-13, a win on the road at Arizona State that was a win 27-15, and a loss 33-7 to South Alabama at home. None of these games looked great. The offense looked stale. The defense had gaps and holes all over the place. They couldn't tackle. But we're going to break it down just a little bit more than that, starting with Central Arkansas. The game starts. Garrett Rangel comes out as the starting quarterback. He goes 10-15, 118 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He was hit while he threw it. Left tackle just whiffed his block. He gets blown up a little bit while he's throwing it. Throws an interception. I'm not going to put that on him, but it doesn't look great. Followed up by Alan Bowman who looked average. He didn't make the bad decision, but he didn't wow us. You know, still no running game to help him out. And then Gunnar Gundy comes in and shocks some people. First off, they put him in with a close game, and you put in Gunnar Gundy, and people lose their minds. They lost it. Why would you switch quarterbacks with a close game? But all he does is he comes in and has a pretty good game. Looking at the stats here, Gunnar Gundy played a good game. He was 7 of 9 passing, 106 yards, no touchdowns, but they did have two rushing touchdowns while he was in the game. And that was the difference, as we were finally able to run the ball while Gunnar Gundy was in. Ollie Gordon started the game. Very little carries in the first half. I think it was one or two. Ends the game with seven carries for 44 yards and a touchdown. Elijah Collins looked good. He had eight carries, 41 yards and a touchdown. Jaden Nixon, Nixon, still fast, six carries, 27 yards. The rushing game came around at the end, but we saw at the end of the game just a little glimpse into that new offense that they were talking about all offseason with fullbacks and tight ends and a lot more power run, uh, less zone reads and more gap scheme. But we didn't really learn much. We still didn't know who the quarterback was. We still didn't have an RB1. Wide receivers looked okay. There were quite a few drops in this game, especially while Bowman was in. But we didn't really learn much. So then we go on the road to Arizona State in a game that we were down 15-10 to 10 at halftime. And Alan Bowman gets the start. Goes 11 of 16, 
113 yards, no touchdowns, and people are freaking out. You're down five on the road to a power five team. Doesn't usually work out for you. Gundy comes in afterwards. He goes five of seven, 32 yards, a touchdown. The running game looked a little better. Again, we got into more of that new offense that they talked about all offseason. Followed up by Garrett Rangel, who goes 6-9, 46 yards, and a touchdown. He ended up getting the win 27-15. The defense in this game pitches a shutout in the second half. Whatever adjustments were made at halftime, tackling looked a lot better. I mean, in the first half, there was one play that had six missed tackles on it, and that happened constantly, and you cannot have that. That's expected from an offseason where you took nobody to the ground. You did very little tackling full on. But they made some adjustments for the second half, and it looked solid. It looked really good. Lyric Rawls had himself a game, had an interception, was locking people down on the edge. Defense looked good. It gave us a glimpse of hope. The rushing game looked good again in the second half, which, by the way, had zero yards in the first half. How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. You give Ollie Gordon the ball twice, maybe less, in the first half. And then he ends the game with nine carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown. What are we doing? Why would we not give the most athletic, freak athlete of a, of a player in Ollie Gordon the ball? Give him the ball. Same thing with Brennan Presley. He ends the game with four catches for 24 yards and a touchdown. But in the first half, he had one, maybe two which, to that point, in the second half, he still only had two. What are we doing? Dijon Stribling looked good in this game. Seven catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. That's an average of nine yards a catch. Jaden Bray was four catches, 52 yards. That's an average of 13 yards a catch. But we still haven't really seen a deep ball down the field. We're not stretching defenses out. They're loading up the box on a run game that already isn't good. With an offensive line... They can't block. It looks a little better. There's a glimpse of hope out there. We saw flashes of brilliance, but it's still not good. So you roll in, back home, sold out Boone Pickens, night game against South Alabama. Now this game, going into it, you know, Gundy said, this will be the most physical team we've played. And boy, was he right. They walked all over us. We couldn't do anything offensively. We got locked down. Defensively, they ran all over us. Alan Bowman gets the start once again. Now looking at the box score here, Alan Bowman goes 6 of 12, 42 yards, and a touchdown. Now he did have a touchdown dropped by Jaden Bray over the middle, wide open, hits him right in the hands, drops on the, on the turf. That's a touchdown. Wiped off the board. Rushing, more of the same. Ollie Gordon ended the game with three carries. 12 yards, no touchdowns. Passing, again, the same thing. Brennan Presley had two catches for eight yards, no touchdowns. That's the same number of catches, by the way, that Ollie Gordon and Jaden Nixon had. How does that happen? We are not scheming the offense in a way that it gets our best playmakers the ball in space to make a play. Running through the rest of the quarterbacks, Gunnar Gundy comes up second again. He got a few more drives than the other two did. I'm not sure what happened to the 4-4-4-3 QB system that we've been running, but, you know, Gundy's going to do Gundy things. Gunnar Gundy goes 9 of 18, 64 yards, 
no touchdowns, 50% completion percentage is not great. Not good at all. Garrett Rangel cleans it up. Uh, one of five passing for eight yards. Really, by the time he was in, this game was already over. We were down three scores. Not a lot of time left. Um, I'm not really sure what happened there. I know that they said that he was out with an illness and missed a practice earlier in the week, so I'm not sure if that factored into it. But rushing is where I'm really nervous. Elijah Collins gets nine carries for 31 yards. Gunnar Gundy had 10 carries. Now that also factors in scrambles and sacks uh, for 27 yards. Jaden Nixon gets five carries, 23 yards, and a touchdown, which, by the way, that touchdown play was the best thing that I have seen called all year through these three games. You get motion from Brennan Presley, who then blocks the edge defender. You lined up in a power offense tight end fullback I formation. You fake like you're going to go right with the tight end and the fullback. You turn around, you pitch it left where Brennan Presley is setting the edge, and you're one-on-one in space. All you got to do is beat the corner, which Jaden Nixon does, and gets the touchdown. That's how you call plays for your playmakers. You get them one-on-one in space, let them make a play. But we don't do that consistently. South Alabama, on the other hand, brings Carter Bradley in here, who goes 10 of 16 passing for 152 yards and two touchdowns. They only threw the ball 16 times, and they got 152 yards. That's nine and a half yards per catch, by the way. Where is the defense that we saw in the second half against Arizona State, who, by the way, has a better better quarterback and better wide receivers? Where's the defense? But rushing is what really scares me. The Damian Webb had 18 carries for 151 yards and two touchdowns. Eight yards a carry. We couldn't tackle him, and even if we were in the right spot to make the play, we still couldn't tackle him. But most of the time, he's running through gaps wide enough to drive a freaking semi-truck through. What are we doing? Where's Colin Oliver? Where's Xavier Benson? Where's Kendall Daniels? The guys that had their best game were Nathan Latu, Lyric Rawls, and Trey Rucker. Three names that we did not hear last year but three names that we heard all night from this defense and pretty much nobody else. What are we doing, folks? This is not good. 33-7 to to South Alabama. A loss. At home. So the Pokes are 2-1 and one after their non-conference slate. And a lot of questions across the board. We still don't know who the quarterback is. We still don't know who our number one running back is. Dejon Stribling goes out in the first quarter of this game. We don't see him again. Haven't heard anything since. We still have Casey Dunn at the helm. We still have Charlie Dickey coaching the offensive line. Oh, but Mike Gundy's helping call plays. Yeah, well, he fired himself the last time he was calling plays. So where do we go from here? What do we do? Is Mike Gundy on the hot seat? I'll tell you this. We went from two seasons ago being an inch from a Big 12 championship and a college playoff appearance. And then last year... The wheels fall off halfway through the season. You have a mass exodus in the portal. The offense looks terrible. Defense is not great. And what changes were made? Absolutely zero. You keep the offensive coordinator that has the fewest yards per play of any offensive coordinator we've ever had in the Gundy era. You bring in a D2 defensive coordinator 
and expect him to be able to turn turn around ship and write everything from the get-go. That's not how that's going to work. It looks good, but it's nothing to hang your hat on. Obviously, we gave up 33 points to South Alabama. These were Gundy's decisions. He decided to make no changes, and it's the exact same as it was last year. Shocker. In fact, it might be worse because of the talent drop-off from last year to this year. Oh, but we we refilled with guys from the portal. No, you didn't. You brought in some guys from Tulsa that are good. Don't get me wrong. But they're not Mason Cobb. They're not the guys that you lost to the NFL. They're not the they're not the guys. And on offense, yeah, you bring in Dejon Stripling, but we haven't had a a go to wide receiver since Tylen Wallace left. We haven't had. A go-to running back that'll go get you four yards every carry since Jalen Warren. Of course, I say that. We don't actually know because we haven't picked one running back to go to. And the one that looks the best gets three carries a game. Something needs to be done. Casey Dunn, in my opinion, should have been fired last year. We are just under 100, if not over 100th in the nation in yards per play. This OSU offense that the nation talks about as being high-flying, fast-paced, is slow. It's stale. There's no long throws. There's no deep threat. There's no rushing threat. It's easy to defend. It's easy to predict. The play calling is just terrible. I could predict with an 80% accuracy rate exactly what we're going to run on the next play. And then when we do finally do something that looks good, that touchdown play that I was talking about, you never see it again. I mean, it's almost like Casey Dunn sits down and, look and says, you know what would be a great idea? They're expecting us to give it to Ollie Gordon and Brennan Presley. So what if we just give it to anybody else? They'll never see it coming. Why would we give it to our best playmakers? Why would we do that? You do that because they're your best playmakers. It's simple. It's a numbers game. You give it to your best playmakers in space, one-on-one, -on -one, let, let them go to work but not if you're Casey Dunn. And if you're Mike Gundy, apparently that's good enough, and you keep him. You make no changes. That Mike Gundy quote at the beginning of this podcast, really feeling it right now, makes me want to puke. This team is so hard to watch. Every yard is a struggle. Every down is a struggle to go anywhere. What happened to the OSU offense that has... A Justin Blackman or a Des Bryant or a James Washington or a Tylen Wallace that is a constant deep threat that you have to think about every play and know exactly where they are or it's a touchdown. Where's the running game where if you don't respect it, you'll lose? You don't have to respect this running game. You could rush three, four, and we have no running game. The rest of them can sit back in coverage, which coverage is only... 20 yards down the field because that's the longest we've thrown it so far. It's easy to beat, but it's good enough for Mike Gundy, apparently. Makes me sick. It's not, we're not in a good place right now. And if we don't fix it soon, it's going to keep getting worse. And we're going to end up right back where we were before Gundy got here, which is not a good place. This is the worst loss we've had since they've built Boone Pickens. Not a good team. 
So where do we go from here? What do we do? I don't know. Smart thing would have been to clean house last year and bring in Dion, right? Oh, but he's just a name. He's not a good coach. Look at Colorado. They were the worst Power 5 team in the nation last year. And right now they look pretty dang good. Wouldn't you love to have Dion? Wouldn't you love to be able to walk into every game with a chip on your shoulder that nobody respects you, but you know that they need to? Nobody respects this OSU team, and they don't need to. That six and a half win total from Vegas is looking pretty spot on right now. That's going to be a tough climb to get to. We're a third of the way there. We got nine games left. We need four wins. I don't see it. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule right here. We got Iowa State next week in Ames. Iowa State's not any good. Neither are we. That's a toss-up. Then you got number 15, Kansas State, coming into town. Yes, they just lost to Missouri. I get it. It was a bad game for them. I don't think we can keep up. I don't know that we can get pressure on Will Howard because their offensive line actually blocks. Then you then you got Kansas. They're going to throw it and run it all over us. Devin Neal looks pretty good. Jalen Daniels, great quarterback. We're going to have to rely on the offense to keep up against Kansas State and Kansas. We haven't scored over 30 points a game in nine games now. Then you're at West Virginia. And everybody's thinking, oh, West Virginia's not a good team. They should have fired Neil Brown last year. Well, they had a close game against Penn State, but they lost. It's a top 10 team. Then they have a game against Pitt today, rivalry game, that they pretty much handled. It was a close score, but it didn't feel like a close game. In Morgantown, I'm giving that one to West Virginia. You got Cincinnati at home, homecoming. I could see us winning that game. Cincinnati's had a tough year, new coach, new system. That's a win. I'll give us that one. Bedlam at home, that's a loss. Even if we were good, I'm chalking that up as a loss. Then you're at UCF. That's a loss. That team looks good. They got firepower on offense. We can't keep up. Then at Houston, we could probably win that game. Houston's having a tough year. Dana Holgerson's on the on the hot seat. I could see us winning that one. Then you got BYU at home. A BYU team that just went to Arkansas, took care of business, and got a win. So if I'm adding this up right, I'll give us a win at Iowa State. That's one, two, three more wins. That's five and seven, folks. That 17-year bull streak, it's in jeopardy. This is going to be another 2014 where we're going to rely on Tyreek Hill to run a punt back for a touchdown to win Bedlam just to go 6-6. Six and six. Oh, we got a bull streak. Yeah, bull streaks are great. Big 12 championships and playoffs are better. Gundy said it best after that 2011 year. He said, we've created a monster, and now we got to feed it. It's been a while. Getting pretty hungry. Haven't had another Big 12 championship since. We've been close so many times. Well, close only counts on horseshoes and hand grenades. What are we going to do? The panic button is firmly pressed across the board for Oklahoma State fans, but I don't think it's been pressed within the program. Gundy still said, oh, all three quarterbacks look good. We've got some things we got to sure up. Again, we got outcoached. You know how tired I am of hearing we got outcoached? You've been doing this for 18 years, the longest tenured head coach, and you got outcoached by South Alabama? Come on. It's not good. The only bright spot of this game 
Those uniforms look pretty good. I like them. Black, orange, orange is a classic look for Oklahoma State. Love the brand. Uniforms look good. The play looks bad, though. It is not good. So looking ahead at Iowa State next week. In Ames. Going to be 3 o'clock kick. And I'm nervous, folks. I am nervous. Iowa State's last three games were Northern Iowa, which they won 30-9. to We didn't beat our cupcake 30-9. to And they lost to Iowa 20-13. to That's pretty much the same thing as Bedlam for us. Iowa State never wins that game. They lost today to Ohio. Not a good look. 10-7. to We also lost today to South Alabama by a lot more than that. So if we break it down, Iowa State is averaging 160 yards passing, 110 yards rushing for 257 total yards. They've allowed 148 yards passing, 109 yards rushing. It's a pretty solid rushing defense. We have a really bad rushing game. We didn't even break 100 yards rushing against Central or against South Alabama. We're not going to be able to run on this Iowa State team. So I don't know, folks. This is, uh, according to ESPN, this is a 50-50 toss-up win for either team. Who's coming in a quarterback? Gunnar Gundy got the most snaps tonight. Is he the starter? Or are we rolling out a three-quarterback system again next week? It doesn't work. When you've got three quarterbacks, you got zero quarterbacks. When you got two quarterbacks, you got zero quarterbacks. It doesn't work. The offense doesn't get in a rhythm. Everybody, each quarterback runs it. A little different than the other guy. That's how you end up with penalties, false starts, all kinds of stuff. Oklahoma State had quite a few penalties in all of their games this year. They had seven penalties for 64 yards against South Alabama. They had nine penalties for 62 yards against Arizona State. And they had five penalties for 41 yards against Central Arkansas. Penalties are an issue. Most of them are on offense. A lot of holding penalties. Oh, we got a bad offensive line. That makes sense. A lot of false starts. Well, we got three quarterbacks. That makes sense. Three quarterbacks does not work. If it's that even, if you got three quarterbacks that are so close that you just can't pick, well, just pick one. If it's that close of a race, just pick one. My my choice, personally, I'm picking Garrett Rangel. He's the best of both. He's got a good run game. He's got a good passing game. Makes the right decision. He's a good game manager. Alan Bowman's got a better arm. Gunner's got better legs. Garrett Rangel's in the middle. I like Rangel. That's who I'm going with. But we just can't pick. We've got three quarterbacks. It's not going to work. We've also got three running backs. I like having two. Having a one-two punch, usually one bruiser, one fast guy. The problem is... We've got Ollie Gordon and Elijah Collins that run about the same game. Then you've got Jaden Nixon, who's fast. He's not going to run anybody over, but he's going to make a guy miss. Obviously, to everybody watching, Ollie Gordon and Elijah Collins, and this is no slight to Elijah Collins, Ollie Gordon's the obvious pick. When you can hurdle a dude standing straight up and completely clear him, you can also run over that same guy. You can also make that same guy miss, that's the choice. Ollie Gordon should be getting 18 carries a game at least. That's your thunder. 
Then your lightning, to go along with that, is Jaden Nixon. That man is fast. He's got some get up to him. He will make a dude miss when he gets on the edge, and he'll get you, get you some good speed. But that's the problem. You got to get him in space. We don't do that very well. So we've got three quarterbacks. We've got three running backs. And then when you take a look at the receivers, we've got a good receiving room. Dijon Stribling, that should be the guy, along with Jaden Bray, that can take the top off a of defense. But we don't throw it downfield. Now that might be because we don't have an offensive line that can block long enough, but we've got the receivers to do it, but we don't. Brennan Presley, same as Jaden Nixon, fast. He runs great he runs great routes. He's a leader in this wide receiver room. But we don't throw him the ball. I don't get it. Gunner had a play right when he came in against Central Arkansas that looked so good. Comes in, snaps the ball, immediately looks to his left, zings it over to Brennan Presley on a screenplay, who then takes off for 15 yards. It was blocked well, it was executed well, the pass was fast, it was on target, it looked so good. And then we never see Brennan Presley again. What are we doing? Alarm sirens are going off. This team, it's not good. Not looking good. I know it's a long season, but it is not good right now. And I'm I'm a little worried. Spent a lot of good money on season tickets. And this team's not good. So, is Gundy on the hot seat? I think he should be. He's made some bad decisions these last two years, but I don't think he is. The program itself seems to be complacent with mediocrity. The fan base, which for the longest time was okay with this, is not anymore. You've created a monster, and now you got to feed it. That's what I got. I don't got a whole lot of answers today. I got a lot of opinions, though. A lot of worries. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see next week against Iowa State, see if it gets any better. But that's what I got. A lot of questions still to be answered by the coaching staff for this season. But if you guys like what you heard, you can find me on Twitter at Pete's Playbook. Go ahead and give us a like. Tell your friends about it. Maybe we can spread this around a little bit. But I appreciate you guys tuning in, and we will see you next week.